Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of his word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, experts in engaging children with the word of God. Together, we will make sure that you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Steidler, and this is episode 81. Have you ever heard someone say, Jesus is just Santa Claus for adults? I know it sounds ridiculous, but in reality, our kids are going to hear phrases like this. And my question is, are you confident they could defend the case for Christ against this lie? Well, today, I'm super excited to have on air Hillary Morgan Ferrer, who wrote the book you probably heard of called Mama Bear Apologetics. Hillary and Corey will discuss things like the importance of preparing our kids for discipleship, the chew and spit method, and how to be good discerners. I have a hunch after listening to this episode, you'll confidently agree there is no age too young to start speaking objective and subjective truth into our children's lives. There's also no age too old. So as always, don't forget to visit our website, bibletoschool.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com to find the show notes and get the resources mentioned today including Hillary's book, Mama Bear Apologetics. You can also do us a huge help by sharing this podcast with your friends. Join us in getting the word out there about our ministry, this podcast and Bible to School. Speaking of which, have you thought about bringing the Bible to your area school district? It is so easy to do, and it's so needed in today's times. It's worth the quick email. Just go to the Contact Us tab on our website, and we'll get this conversation started. Ready to hear how the world is our curriculum and we as parents are the program? Let's jump over to Corey and Hillary's conversation now. Well, hi, Hillary. What a gift it is for us to have you with us today. You talk about apologetics, big word. Um, <laughs> you have a burden for this in your heart to provide accessible apologetic resources for busy moms. And that's why you're here today, to share your knowledge with our listeners who also, our listeners are also grandparents and teachers and mentors and neighbors. But before we get into that, Hillary, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah. So I grew up in a Christian household and my father was very much kind of an intellectual and he he was interested in the why and the how. And I think uh, I was just sort of his little buddy that we, even when I was young, we enjoyed having deep conversations. And so first off, just having, just having a parent in my life that saw these aspects in me and affirmed them. So I, I grew up hearing stories about missionaries and stuff and thought, oh, I want to be a missionary. But it wasn't until middle school or so, I was 12 years old, when my pastor went through a series on apologetics. Uh, he went through a couple different things. He went through C.S. Lewis's trilemma, which is, you know, who was Jesus? Was he a liar? Was he a lunatic? Or was he actually Lord? I think nowadays we would probably have a fourth L that uh, our society has put Jesus in, and that's legend. I'm like, oh, he sort of existed, but he's not like, you know, all these stories just came up later. So looking at the evidence and seeing what does the evidence point to. And then he also went through two series, one on the evidences for the resurrection 
and the evidences for the reliability of New Testament documents in the in terms of were they reliably transmitted from the origins. And so just with these couple of things, my entire worldview just changed because I always thought of, well, you know, I can't talk about Christian stuff with non-Christian people when they switched me from a Christian school, a private Christian school, and we moved out kind of to the country. And I went to a rural public school that was like around fourth, fifth grade. Oh, wow. That was a shock to your system, oh, yeah. probably. Well, I yeah. learned a lot during that <laughs> fifth grade year. <laughs> that was an education all in itself. <laughs> but uh, I didn't know how to talk to kids, uh, other kids my age, because it's like God had just always been part of the conversation. And so this was the first time I realized this isn't true just because our family believes it. This is like objectively true. And you can discuss with other people who value truth, even if they don't know God. If they value truth, you can actually talk about God and Christianity to them. I would say my interest wasn't as much in going out and talking with everybody who disagreed or anything. It was more like this was the thing that solidified the foundation of my faith in the sense that my faith wasn't just because the Bible says that I believe it, that settles it, or because my mom and dad say so, or because my pastor says so. Because if you have a kid who they believe stuff just because the authority in their life says so. Well, once they go off to either high school or college and they had different authorities that are saying something different, well, now I'm going to think what that authority says. And so right. this, this, this taught me that this is absolutely something that I can hang on to no matter what is going on in my life. I can't unknow what it is that I know. And no matter how God I, or how mad I sometimes feel like getting at God because of different things that happen, I never had the luxury of saying you don't exist and you didn't send your son to die and rise from the dead. Because the evidence for me was I would have to check my brain at the door if I were to just discard all that evidence. And so I would say that was kind of the foundation for my faith. And it has been throughout all the trials and tribulations that husband and I have gone through in our you know 16 years of marriage. Well, I mean, you wrote this book, Mama Bear Apologetics. Can you first, before we talk about that, can you define apologetics for us? Yes. So apologetics is giving a reasonable defense for something. So people think of apologetics like you're just arguing for the truth. But if if you think about a positive case, we look at this would be, I I think Jay Warner Wallace calls it Christian case makers, where a lawyer, lawyers were called apologists in in the early first, second, and third centuries. They would go and they would present evidence for a case of why you should believe what I'm saying as opposed to what someone else is saying, saying the evidence falls on this side. So we can, in apologetics, it really isn't a specific, it's it's not its own study. It's more like the way you go about studying everything, looking at archaeology, looking at philosophy, looking at logical fallacies, looking at truth, looking at subjective truth versus objective truth looking at uh, the evidences of different manuscripts of maybe people who weren't in the Christian tradition, but they refer back to Jesus. Okay, that's showing us that he did exist because these people who had no reason to talk about him are talking about him. Right, yeah. And so, and it's also looking at everything that you see in the Bible is saying that there's a why behind it, that there is good reason to believe in this. It's kind of what birthed the sciences in this idea that we serve a God who is law-like, therefore, Instead of being like the pagans who thought that nature was just this kind of cacophony of, you know, confusion where 
these capricious guys, I'm using all the big C words here. <laughs> you used some <laughs> big all, words here for I, me. I know, all, all these guys just kind of do what, what they were in the mood for. And you can't predict the weather any more than you can predict the gods. It was the Christians that said, no, we think that nature is going to be like God in the sense that it's going to show his reasonability, his rationality, his purpose, his telos. And that there's going to be laws that we can count on that stay the same forever and ever because we have a God who never changes. Well, that's one thing I I noticed about your book. You begin talking about like how trustworthy scripture is Mm -hmm. and that it's presumed now, but it's not the case today. It's not. Talk about that a second. So we didn't go specifically into this in the first book because there's so many great books out there that are on specifically the reliability of New Testament documents. I like to talk to kids about what we can take on evidence and what we have to take on faith. And when it comes to the Bible, we can uh, we can take it on evidence that these texts were reliably transmitted throughout history. That is something we can actually go back and do a scientific study on, use acceptable methods that people use in higher criticism for basically all ancient texts. And the Bible really comes out just I mean, so far above and beyond evidentially wise being being corroborated as being the closest thing to the originals. Now, we have something that we have to take on faith, and that is once we know that these have been reliably transmitted, can we know that the doctrine in them is true? And I think that just the way, the miraculous way that we almost see how close these have been translated throughout time kind of testifies to the fact that God was making sure that he got this right. (laughs) And so then we have to take on faith what it says. But we also ask, does this conform to what I observe in reality? And I think the Christian worldview really does explain reality better than all the other worldviews that you have available. We have kids now, though. I have older children. I was sharing with you that a lot of kids are leaving church Left and right, the stats are, you know, not very good. It's at between yeah. 45 and 48 leave after freshman year of college and they never return. Mm-hmm. You know, why do you think that's the case? Can you share your thoughts on that? There's a, a good line, I think, that we have in the book from Frank Turk, who does his own ministry called Cross Examine Ministries. But at the beginning of each of his podcasts, he has a sound clip of himself saying, Kids are talked out of the faith. You know why they were talked out of the faith? because they were never talked into the faith. And so I think that is exactly what we have going on is we kind of teach kids, this is what we believe, but we haven't taught them to look at that and compare that with other views and say, does this make more sense? They have to be able to believe that this is actually more true and this best explains reality. And if they never hear anything which criticizes this worldview, that is just a very, very weak position that we've put them in and a very vulnerable position that we've left them in. There's a, are you familiar with the Babylon Bee? Yes. Um, okay. Yes. So they have this one um, article from forever ago, and I know I'm going to mess this up, but it's got a bunch of parents like, or, or a bunch of, you know, adults with their hands on this high schooler. And it says, you know, parents praying that kids will be able to basically uh, refute the worldviews that they never prepared them for. It was just right. kind of a joke of like, we're going to pray that he stays safe from all these other worldviews. Well, you know, there's something. But you got to talk about it. You got to talk about it. There's <laughs> something you can do besides just praying over that. You can prepare them. Prayer. Mm. Preparation is a really necessary part of discipleship. Oh, absolutely. I agree. I, what, what are your thoughts, though, and how young do we talk to them about this? How young is too young? I think that the classical uh, education model 
I don't know why we don't have this in all the schools everywhere. I don't know why we have to specify certain schools as classical. So in the classical model, what it says is that uh, from a certain age, and this would be the grammar age, that you're just basically pouring facts into these kids. You're teaching them the what. Mm-hmm. And once you get to the rhetoric phase, I think it's grammar, rhetoric, and then logic. I can't remember. I might be getting those. No, grammar, logic, then rhetoric. So once you get to maybe start around middle school, now what you're going to do is you're going to take that vast amount of facts because kids kids of young age are built like a sponge. They absorb yes. whatever's around them. So you need to, number one, be careful what they're absorbing, what is constantly around them. And if the Christian worldview is being presented to them more or as often as the secular worldview, then you can go into this logic phase where you start analyzing this worldview and you start comparing it to maybe what other worldviews say. So I think that probably about eight, nine is a good time to start kind of giving them a little bit of pushback on their beliefs and saying, well, you know, this worldview says this, what do you think about that? But filling them with just lots and lots of theology and knowing what the Bible says and knowing all the terms surrounding that we really want it. We can't, there's no way to start too young. You can start as young as, you know, even babies, just this idea that there's objective truth and subjective truth. And what falls into objective truth? Is this true all the time for all people? Or is this just true, you know, because this is where we are right now? Just kind of little things like that. I know that uh, some friends of mine, the Bolins, they run a place called Probe Ministries out in Dallas, Texas. They uh, want, he's got his PhD in some science something or other. He loves teaching the two-year-old Sunday class. And they even have things that they say, the Bible is always true. The Bible is true, always true. Everything the Bible says, the Bible is always true. I think that's one of the things, but they just start repeating this over and over again. And if anyone wants to say, oh, that's indoctrination, basically from birth to, you know, at least 10 or 11, everything's indoctrination because they accept everything without question, without criticism in that age. And so it's like all indoctrination is, is teaching someone the doctrines that you believe to be true. So you want to criticize, you got to criticize everybody, but yeah. Well, no, I, I agree. So at Bible to school, we actually start with the second, third and fourth grade, which is seven, eight, nine, 10 years old. And like you said, the older class, the fourth graders, we're asking them questions about, mm-hmm. you know, what do you think about this? And, and trying to comparing things and just getting that uh, deductive reasoning in there. But it, it opens the door because we can talk to our children. I, and I love that. Is there a, a way we can teach our kids how to be prepared before the questions come in freshman year of college? Oh, absolutely. So we live in a culture where you have endless teaching possibilities all around you at all times. If you just look at the commercials that are going on, even if you're in a place like Target or Walmart or Kroger or whatever you are, you'll hear commercials that are demonstrating some of these faulty worldview things. If you go to a craft fair, I kid you not, you can have use that as this great time to discuss little pithy sayings that aren't necessarily true. Like all these little throw pillows that say, follow your heart. Oh, yeah. And so you can be like, hmm, follow my heart. What if my heart tells me that I should just eat sugar for every single meal? Should I follow my heart? What if my <laughs> heart tells me that it would be fun to go out and run on the highway, you know, next to all the cars and see if I can play dodge with it. Is that a good idea? I mean, you can think of endless number of things that your heart kind of wants to do that you're like, "Mm, maybe better not, that they can get this idea of following your heart. Hmm, Not always a great idea. The heart can be deceitful. It's like there's times when 
Maybe your heart, when I, I say, when your heart is disciplined already by scripture, reason, and reality, then you can pay attention to what your heart says. But if it's not already disciplined with those three things, it's probably saying something stupid. Right, right. Because feelings lie. Oh, I mean, yeah. All the time. Yeah. And discerning the truth is really a skill. I mean, mm -hmm. it absolutely is. Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. If Adam and Eve were not supposed to eat from the tree, then why did God put it there? God in His infinite wisdom did indeed place the two special trees in the Garden of Eden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Of the two, Adam and Eve disobeyed God's command and ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and from then on opened humanity's eyes to what had not been revealed before that time. Placing the tree in the garden gave Adam and Eve a choice. Without that choice to obey or disobey, Adam and Eve would have existed like robots. God created us in His image, free to make choices, and so His creation needed to choose as well. In your book, you encourage, and I love the title, by the way, Mama Bear <laughs> Apologetics is great. A mama bear isn't necessarily a mom because there's some dads out there and grandparents mm -hmm. out there saying, well, wait a minute, mama bear apologetics is just for them. Talk to me. What, what is exactly a, a mama bear? So specifically a mama bear, this is something that I noticed with a woman uh, a while back that was given kind of her testimony of how, what she'd done with her kids. She'd never been into anything intellectual. She'd never studied philosophy, never studied apologetics, worldview, nothing. But she loved, you know, Awana and she loved the Bible. Well, when her son went off to college, he even like rededicated his life. But when he got his first job out of college, he had a boss that said, Jesus is just Santa Claus for adults. And there was something about that that just oh. made sense to him. And he came home and said, I don't believe in God. And I saw this woman who would never do study any of these things for herself, rise up and have the energy to start just scarfing down all these different books, all these different uh, philosophy things so that she could have discussions with her son. And I thought that's, that's an instinct there that we have not really capitalized on. Moms will do whatever it takes if they know that their child is in danger. And so that's what we're trying to do is kind of raise up that mama bear instinct where moms are saying, no, -uh, not my kids, but you don't have to be a mom to do this. So, you know, right. proof in point, I actually don't have children. The, the phrase mama bear apologetics, it's like, I just felt it like coming over me almost a, yeah. a, for a couple of weeks at this one point. And I kind of diagrammed and wrote notes mm. of this entire ministry idea. And I thought to the Lord, okay, who am I supposed cool. to go give this to? You know, who am <laughs> I supposed to go commission for this? Of course, it was a surprise that it was me. He wanted me to do it. <laughs> he does uh, that. I know. And I, I said, Lord, what? nobody's going to listen to me because I'm not a mom. And I kind of felt him say, you've got something that moms don't have, which is time to research. And I thought mm. that's an excellent point. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so just having a passion for the next generation you can be an aunt, you can be an uncle, you can be a father, grandmother, grandmother, doesn't matter who you are. If you have that instinct that you want to protect the next generation, then you fall into this category. Now, I, I specifically aimed it for moms because I found out that there was a large demographic of women who wouldn't read something unless it was by women for women. Mm. And at that point, I was like, oh, wow, because, you know, that never been my experience. But knowing that that existed out there, I thought, well, by golly, if that's who you want to send me to, Lord, that's where I'm going. That's who needs to hear it. Like mom was like the 1040 window for apologetics. And, you know, I was going to go and help. 
Well, you, you've done a really good job with this. I mean, there is something in your book I'd love for you to, to share with our listeners. The chew and spit method. I thought that was really good. Being a boy mom, I, I, I thought that was a really great way to put it. Can you share what that is? Yes. So the chew and spit method is you can look at all these ideas that are raised against the knowledge of God and almost always they will have some kind of kernel of truth that's in there. Mm. Or um, there was, I can't can't remember who it was. He wrote Kingdom of the Cults, but he says that cults are the church's unpaid bills, meaning that a lot of times cults come around because there's something that the church has not been doing in fulfilling the Great Commission and in fulfilling just discipleship and community, that some cult will latch onto that one thing and then take it and run with it and form a whole different thing around it. But we can look at some of the things that they're believing, look at some of the practices that they're doing and say, what is true about that? And affirm that because we want to be able to affirm truth wherever we mm-hmm. find it. But we don't want to say that just because someone says something next to something true doesn't mean that all the things they say are true. So you kind of have to filter out what is true and what's not true. And this doesn't stop with just the movies and the music that you're consuming. This is also sometimes from the pulpit. I have heard mm-hmm. some things from the pulpit and churches that we visited before that I thought that is not true. I've, I've had a pastor that encouraged people to try and communicate with angels. Bad idea. Um, <laughs> we had a church that when John and I were trying to find a new church, we got, went to it thinking that it was kind of an offshoot of this other church we'd visited. And they started referring to God as he, she, mm. you know, just all these different things. And, and sometimes people will get things. I don't think everybody has a hundred percent right theology. So You need to be listening, especially like with progressive Christianity. They have adopted all this Christian lingo, but the worldview they're teaching is not the biblical worldview. So you have to be able to sift through and chew Mm -hmm. and swallow the things that are good and true and spit out the other things. Once you're able to do that, it's amazing how many places you can learn from that you don't have to go what I call the all safe, all dangerous method where we can't watch that at all, or we can't listen to that Mm -hmm. at all we can actually be able to sift through things that may not normally be that great, but you have to have a strong muscle in discernment that has been trained and that has uh, been cultivated. And you do that through the chew and spit method, teaching your children how to look at something, what's true that we can glean from that and what's false, what is going against what the Bible says. So chew the things that are good and what the Bible says and spit out the other stuff and put it on the wayside. Yep. Uh, it's interesting. My, I have a, a friend recently that we, we've uh, been walking together and she's Muslim. And mm. one of the things that she has said to me, I read, well, it's, it's the same thing as Christianity. And we hear that sometime in culture. It's yep. the same thing. And, and it, it is not. And, and to be able to know to say, dig, dig a little deeper. So I, what I'm hearing you say in this, in apologetics is, Mama Bear apologize, is to challenge your kids to di- and yourself to mm-hmm. dive a little deeper. Take the stuff that's good, that's true, and spit out the stuff that's not. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes. And I would have a caveat to this. There are some things you don't need to be chewing at all. And if you've looked at like movies back in the day, before there was like lots of... um you know, we just use our five senses in order to test things. And sometimes you'll see someone go and they'll just take a little tiny taste of something and be like, Mm-mm, that's poison. So I think part of training yourself in chew and spit is that you don't actually have to shove everything into your mouth. You don't have to take in everything. <laughs> sometimes true. you'll know which ingredients that if you add, ju- if you're adding this ingredient, it makes the whole, it basically poisons the whole thing. Mm. And so 
I should stay completely away from that. And that's also part of the chew and spit and part of the training your discernment because you really don't want to have to go and have your mind poisoned all the time by all these things. But, you know, again, this is where wisdom and discernment happen of whether or not I even allow myself to consume this in the first place. Wow. Well, the other things that you talk about with discernment is prayer. And and talk to us about what are all the other things around discernment. I think there's something of a roar, a roar yes. method. I, I love your methods. Sorry. Just, <laughs> they go right in with the mama bear apologetics. <laughs> yeah. So the roar method stands for recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and then reinforce through discussion, discipleship, and prayer. That's good. So yes, in recognizing the message, that's where you're just taking the step back and saying, what are the main points that this thing, you know, this sermon, this, this movie, this music, whatever, what are the main points it's trying to make? And then when you offer discernment, discernment isn't all just what's wrong. You're looking for what is also good. So I know that the listeners can't see me, but this is what I do when I'm talking, teaching your kids. Oh, so what I'm doing is I'm lacing my fingers uh, together. You teach your kids that truth and falsehood is often like this, right next to each other. We need to separate the good from the bad. And this is where we separate our hands, accept the good, reject the bad. That's what offering discernment is, is we're separating the good from mm. the bad, accepting the good, rejecting the bad. So we're going to look at what truth can we find in here? And then we're going to look at what lies are trying to slip in here. So that's offer discernment. Arguing for a healthier approach, you're taking the truths that you have now uncovered, said, I, I think these are true. And looking at what scripture says about that, how does this scripture affirm these truths that we are standing standing firmly on? And then for uh, the final R, reinforce through discussion, discipleship, and prayer. You're having conversations with your kids. You're discipling your kids. You're walking alongside them as they're learning these truths and lies. And then you're praying specifically over the battle of ideas, because mm. we know that our war is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, and the powers of this dark world. So we need to be engaging spiritual warfare in a spiritual way, which is through prayer. And then ideological warfare, where we're just being shown bad ideas or bad ideas that are a mixture of good and truth, we, we address that in an ideological way, teaching them how to think through this. But there are just spiritual forces that are attached to ideas. And so we need to treat them as both still very potent and powerful and, and conduct warfare biblically. Hillary, I wish we had time to, to dig into each chapter of your book. I, I really re highly recommend this book if you haven't got a chance to read it yet or her books at all. But I'll tell you what, the, the last question I have for you, we're seeking guidance from you saying, how do we have these conversations on the playground? How do we mm. combat? We're in our schools now. Um, you know, there's postmodernism. It's, it's just... It's coming at them all the time and coming yes. at us all the time. How do we do this well where we're at? I think in order to be able to model it for our kids, we have to have already done it ourselves. And this is why I think doing the Mama Bear book as a group with mm -hmm. other moms and being able to discuss these things to where you can talk with the adults about, oh, I recognize this lie over here. I recognize this lie over here. Oh, I recognize that in there. You can kind of practice with each other how to ask certain questions to where your kids can now also see the lies. And once you've kind of practiced yourself, now when you're with your kids, you can say, that sounds mostly true. What parts of that are mostly true and what parts of that you think aren't true? And you can actually start doing with them what you've already practiced doing with the other mama bears in your life. But I, I still maintain that if we would slow down enough to see the messages that are all around us, we don't need a curriculum. We don't need some fancy book. If we can just learn how to sift through ideas 
the world is our curriculum and parents, you are the program. (laughs) Very true. That is very well said. Is there anything else that you'd like to share before we wrap up? I'm going to ask you to pray in a minute, but is there, I know you talked about uh, other friend, like kids' moms. You said something about that. Yes. Um, Well, first off, I just want to leave everyone with an encouragement that you don't have to know everything to get started. One of the things that we've heard from people time and again is that when they're learning something new for the first time, the Lord will almost bring opportunities where they'll see that coming in their lives. I've heard so many parents, they started the sexuality book and or they had just at least bought it. And all of a sudden they start getting questions from their kids and they're able to put into practice what they had just learned that week. Or maybe the Lord's teaching you something about prayer and he gives you this opportunity to pray with people or you're just learning about postmodernism. And then you see this new show come out and you're like, oh, now I'm seeing all those all those markers of postmodernism. You don't have to know everything. You just have to get started and then trust that the Lord is going to keep building on that foundation. Just did some advice that I had a friend of mine give me when I went to speak at a school in Austin this last week. And she said that, and specifically with the sexuality book, she went and found her kids' friends' moms. And they did the book study together because she wanted to know that she's not just the one telling this to her kids. She wants to know that when that her child goes and plays with their friends, that those households are going to be kind of talking about the same topics, that they're going to be reinforcing the same belief. And that way, like your kids just think that everybody's saying the same thing. Amy's kids, it's hilarious. All the moms in her neighborhood, they like call each other and say like, oh, your son did this at my house. And so when he comes <laughs> home, she just sounds omniscient because now they can't get away with anything. It's <laughs> hilarious. And they think all their moms are omniscient. No, all their moms are just talking. <laughs> so be talking with your your kids, friends, parents. And yeah. that, that's a great place to start when it comes to, uh, say, maybe starting a book, a book club, learn about this stuff. Oh, Hillary. Good stuff. Good stuff. I appreciate you being with us today. Your books are amazing. I wish everybody would go out and check out your website. Can you tell us what your website is? Yes, it's www.mamabearapologetics.com. And mama is spelled M-A-M-A. I've gotten all sorts of wonky spellings of mama that people send sometimes. (laughs) And even though they know how to spell it for the website, then they'll still spell it wrong in the email. But, you know, (laughs) such is life. But M-A-M-A, bearapologetics.com. Great. Well, will you end us in prayer, Hillary? Ah, absolutely. Thank you. (sighs) Father God, I just thank you so much for what they're doing with this ministry of Bible to school. Yes. And you can tell the children. Father God, I just am so thankful that other mama bears are out there, that we are working alongside of each other just in tandem, trying to do the same thing, Lord, just reaching this next generation and helping them to stand firm in their beliefs, teaching them what they believe, and then pushing them to know why they believe it and how the secular worldview just falls short, Lord. And your worldview is so beautiful and so coherent, and it just makes life simpler. Wouldn't we love for life to be simpler, Lord? We thank you for your good design. And I thank you for the parents that are putting up the good fight, Lord, and trying to raise strong, faithful Christian kids, Lord, in a world that is determined to just throw you away and say that you are unnecessary, Father God. I pray that you would be meeting each one of these parents where they're at, Lord, and showing them what they need to know next, what they need to learn next, what questions are coming with their kids, Lord. I pray that you would give them fellowship and community around talking about Christianity, about talking about the Bible, 
Lord, so that they can have kind of a microcosm within their adult friendships that they're trying to instill in their children. And Father, I pray that you just continue to bring the remnant, Lord, the, the community of believers who have not bowed their knee to any other idol that is in our culture and that they would find each other and they would cling tightly to one another, Lord, knowing that this is, it is so rare to find people that really, truly get it, who believe and will refuse to capitulate to culture, Lord, and that in that moment, they will just desire to love the body of Christ and have that unity that is just an aroma to the rest of the world. It shows them what they are seeking can be found with you, God, with your forgiveness, with your glory, your truth, your beauty, Lord, but also the way your believers treat each other in fellowship and in love. Uh, we thank you so much. And I, I pray that you would also put a special blessing on the mama and papa bears out there that maybe don't have children, Lord, knowing that they have a special role to play in this as well, and that, that you would just rise up, uh, raise up warriors within that demographic as well as you have raised up in my heart and in my husband's heart. God, you are so good. And we just thank you for your word, which is true and beautiful. In your name I pray. Amen. Wow, what an encouragement it was to hear Hillary's words. Specifically, you don't have to know everything to get started. Just start and trust that the Lord will build on that foundation. This just goes along with so many recent conversations that God keeps putting in my path. That yes, we are called to plant the seeds. We're even called to water them. Yet it is the Lord's job to produce the fruit and grow it. Praise God for His faithfulness. He who began a good work in your child will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm just thanking Him that we can rest in this truth. So are you ready to help the kids in your life develop strong spiritual muscles? I know I am. I have certainly been challenged. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, please be sure to share it with all your friends. Follow and like Bible to School on Facebook and Instagram, and be sure to check out our blog for even more inspiration. You'll want to head over to our website at bibletoschool.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com to find our show notes and get the resources mentioned today, including Hillary's book, Mama Bear Apologetics. Well, that's it for now, friends. So stop in here next week for more ways to tell children about the love of Jesus.